Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everybody. I am so excited to bring you today's episode with Erica Suter. Erica and I are talking about how much life has changed as a parent over the last few years, and with changing schedules and changing expectations, we've had to wear different hats we're not used to wearing with our kids being at home more often, right? Well, Erica is a nationally recognized voice in parenting news and parenting advice. She's over 20 years in journalism. She talks about being a contributor on Good Morning America and other national broadcast outlets. And she's talking about her new book, How to Have a Kid and a Life, A Survival Guide. We're talking about the six tips that she has in order to help keep kids engaged and on track no matter what is going on. And this can apply if your kids are home home unexpectedly during the school year or if you're preparing for a successful summer. These tips are so fantastic to keep both you and your kids moving forward and sane and mostly staying positive in this positive mindset, right? We're all just trying to keep our head above water and do it with a smile on our face. So I'm so excited to bring you Erica Suter today. All right. I'm so honored to be chatting with Erica Suter today. Hi, Erica. Hi, How so are glad you? to talk to you too. Yay, this is so fun. We were just joking that you are very much camera ready and I'm very much not, but that's the beauty of audio. Hooray. <laughs> I know, no fear with audio, I tell you. <laughs> that's right. Anybody can be a podcaster. I have a, yes, it's perfect. It's perfect. Where am I speaking to you from today? Uh, I live in New York City, in the oh. Upper West Side. Fantastic, fantastic. How is New York these days? Uh, very chilly, but still lovely. Like I love this city and I think yes. you really have to love this city to stay here. Yeah. Are you from there? <laughs> no, no. I'm actually from the Midwest, Ann Arbor, Michigan, but I've been in New York over 20 years now. Okay. Erica, my husband went to U of M law school. I worked for Ross business school when we were there. <gasps> we love it. Go blue. <gasps> oh my God. Go blue. Yes. God, the world is so small. It really is. And you know what? When my husband was applying to law schools, I thought, you know, I'll go anywhere. This is exciting. Anywhere but Michigan. Because I just, I when you picture Michigan, if you're not from there, you picture factories or smokestacks or you just kind of conjure yeah. this image. And I'm sure it's true with a lot of places you might name that you've never been. Right? And then yeah. we went to visit. And literally, I'll never forget my husband's eyes welling up with tears when we walked up to the law school. And it like looks like Hogwarts. And the town <laughs> is so wonderful. And game day Saturdays are so wonderful. And yeah. But I did make the mistake that first game day Saturday not knowing what streets would be closed off. And I went to the grocery oh. store and could not make it back to my home for about three hours because of the blockades and everything. Game day is a big deal. Oh, game day is just everything in yes. that town. So, yeah, it's a really big deal. Oh, well, that is so much fun. And New York is another favorite city of mine. So that is so great. Well, for people that don't know you yet, Erica, will you give yourself, you know, just a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah. So, of course, you know, my name is Erica Suter, and I'm an author and a journalist. And I've been a journalist for about 25 years now. Uh, I actually started my career covering entertainment for People magazine. Um, totally another lifetime ago, but I did The Sexiest Man Alive, 50 Most Beautiful, mm. Hero, Heroic Pets, 
<laughs> body after baby stories, medical miracles, kind of like everything. And I really had a wonderful um, career early on. And, uh, and then after I left People, I was at a magazine called Us Weekly, and I had kids. And it just didn't jive with parenthood. At least I didn't feel that my schedule jive with parenthood. I'd be wait- sitting at a desk waiting for, you know, Kim Kardashian's publicist to call me back to tell me uh, what dress she was wearing to the Emmys or how she you know, got her butt to look so great at at this party or that party. You know, just really kind of fun stuff, of course, if you're into celebrity culture. But as I got older, I was less interested in it. And when I had a family, it really just, I wanted to spend my time doing something else. So I started focusing on parenting. And I became an editor at a site called Cafe Mom. And it wasn't just about assigning stories for me, because I did assign stories on news and entertainment and um, the latest, you know, parenting trends. I really kind of got out there and I went to every conference, every mommy meetup I could. I held focus groups on my own so I could understand what parents were going through because I felt like modern day motherhood or parenthood in general just felt so different than even when I grew up. And I really wanted to find out what affects families, like how are they coping with the way life is. And so from that, sprung my book and it's called how to have a kid in a life a survival guide and it really is about all of these things that we face as mothers that we don't talk about when we're prepping for parenthood Mm, absolutely and a lot of the parenting books at least that i read in preparation for becoming a mom was very like if you do this they will do this if you do this they will do this and then you have your first kid and you're like they're not doing this or they do it some of the time, not all the time, or they change, you know, age or they pop teeth or they, you know, fill in the blank with any given change of circumstances. And you have to completely rewrite the playbook every single new season. And sometimes every single new week, it feels like, and for each child, the children are so different in and of themselves as well. Mm -hmm. So you may feel like, Oh, I've got this toddler thing down, or I know how to potty train. And then you go to potty train the next one. And it's like, wow, like they're still in diapers at five overnight. And you're like, I don't know what to do. So I love that you're willing to ask these questions and kind of, you know, take a consensus. And I'm sure you got a diverse amount of data and because everyone's experience is so different, but I'm sure there's some through threads in those as well. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really thought was important when I um, talked to moms is there were certain topics that they just felt so unprepared for mm. like what happens to their careers when they go, you know, oftentimes moms are treated differently when they go back to work. They're not viewed as committed mm-hmm. or as reliable, which is completely untrue. Research actually shows that mothers are some of the best workers because we're great multitaskers. We can handle conflict resolution really well and we get things done, but that's not really the experience of a lot of women when they go back to work, you know, changes in your marriage and your sex life, your relationship with other women who don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just so many things I wanted to uh, talk about that we kind of, you know, we so much focus on things we need for our children, but what about the things that we need for ourselves? So I really wanted parents to feel that you can be a great parent, but you can also be good to yourself and not neglect the parts of yourself that, that need some TLC. That's fantastic. That is so wonderful. And what I love what you've done with your career is you've taken that same passion, that same skill set. And use that experience to to pivot in in this new direction. And not that anybody listening, you know, as soon as they become a mom, have to like transition into the parenting space with whatever job they have, right? Like that's not realistic. But to be able to just re-envision, you know, 
not just what the content is that you're surrounding yourself with, but also you're right, like the lifestyle, the hours, you know, are you waiting on a phone call and then that's affecting if you're able to pick your son up from school or, you know, can you set a meeting and have that meeting be set and then be done by a certain time? Like your life just changes when you're a mom and it, it's a hard you know, it's a hard thing to accept because men yeah. don't face this in the same way and they are not expected to quote unquote bounce back the same way or yep. they're not asking, you know, where are your kids when you're at a late meeting? Like, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's a hard thing, but hard does not mean impossible. Like you can, this is figure outable and you, and you're yeah. proof of that. Yeah, no, it really is. But you also have to take the time to figure out what you need what you want what makes you happy what i found is that for some women that's a career that they feel passionate about for others it was like okay i want my career to be like what pays the rent and puts food on the table but i want something else like a passion project like a volunteer work or starting a foundation or helping someone in need or starting to focus on your fitness or write or do a podcast right mm-hmm. so i found for like every mom i talked to it was something different that fed that part of her but for almost every single woman what I found is that they wanted something that enriched their lives in addition to the enrichment they got from family. Right. They, they wanted a little something else for themselves. And so I wanted to make this roadmap of kind of how to figure that out and also give permission that it's okay. It's okay if you take time for yourself. And so many of us are so bogged down with parenthood and motherhood and responsibilities that, of course, have to come first, that we neglect all those interests and passions and loves we had before we had families and it's hurting us yeah and it's so interesting that just made me think like taking time for yourself doesn't even necessarily mean just the normal self-care list Mm -hmm. that we normally hear sometimes work and or a side project or a volunteer effort or service or whatever you're doing that is self-care and that is taking care of yourself and folk and putting yourself on the list as well so yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to make money. It can, but it doesn't yeah. have to. But what is it that is ensuring that you are feeling like a, a whole person and not mm-hmm. feeling like you're having to sever off this limb of your life just because you've added mom to your title? That's, that's yeah, exactly that right. So it, good. Don't think of it as self-care. It's survival. Yes. Yeah, so good. So good. So, I mean, now knowing that you're in New York at – what was the epicenter of, you know, coronavirus. (laughs) And I mean, life drastically changed overnight. And I'm in California and it's still, I mean, we're still feeling it very, very much. And our life has definitely impacted. Our kids weren't in school for over a year either. And I mean, it has been challenging across the world, across the country, definitely. But New York is a special segment of society that felt it in a different way, I feel like. And so knowing that you really had to hone in on, you know, what are those survival tips for helping yeah. your kids, helping yourself, helping your family when a lot is out of your control at any yeah. given time. And, and it always was, but I think we all felt that reality <laughs> when the world shut down. So we're going to kind of talk about six tips that you have to yeah. help our kids, help ourselves to to keep things moving. And it, they really work regardless of what is going on around us. So can we just kind of go through those, Erica? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Fabulous. my motto is, you know, per, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and for a lot of us right now, the worst is being trapped at home with every single person in our family. <laughs> and but that's 
also a reality for yeah. a lot of people. And it's so unpredictable, right? A lot of, I feel like a lot of parents, it's, they're so, you know, on edge because they don't know when it's going to happen again if it hasn't happened already. They're just mm-hmm. waiting every week for school to shut down or, or, or work, ha- have to work from home while balancing teaching the kids or making sure that they're doing what they need to do online. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mapped out these tips that I think are really important for helping get the family prepared and ready and engaged in if they are at home altogether. Yeah. So the first and I think the easiest thing you can do from the jumpstart is map out the day. If you are going to be home with your kids, your kids are going to be home learning online, there should be a schedule. And I know it sounds, this is going to sound a little tedious, but it's, it's going to save your sanity and it's going to help your kids stay in line too. And I don't mean just like, um, you know, get up, go to school, dinner. I mean, you know, wake up. We're going to have breakfast at this time. If you have really little ones, you can even say like, brush your teeth, comb your hair, come to the table, um, first class, you know, and then it could be break time. We're going to have like peanut butter and apples or pretzel sticks or whatever. For your teen, it's like when their classes are, when their breaks are so that everyone knows what's expected of them. But I think it's also important to build in um, some fun activities to that. So after school, if it's like, okay, we're going to do coloring after school or you have an online guitar lesson, try to keep up as much activity as you can with them so that they feel some sense of normalcy and what to expect. Because kids, and believe it, adults, thrive <laughs> under organization and knowing what to expect. Yeah. And having something to look forward to, right? Especially if they're having Mm -hmm. to work, work, work and focus in that first part of the day, knowing they have something to look forward to in that afternoon chunk or knowing they're going to, you know, have screen time in the afternoon or they're going to go see a movie, whatever it is, having that thing to look forward to will help them be motivated, right? Right. I mean, that's how we all work. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head when you say building in fun time, because yeah. that's number two. Yeah, you have perfect. to build in fun time. If you're stuck at home, it's not you know a fun idea for any of us. But you want to make sure that there are activities that everyone's looking forward to. One of the things that we did in my house during the first wave of at home, school, learning, work, everything, was that we had a, a fun jar, right? So that my kids each um, got to pick out in the morning what activity they would do after school ended. And sometimes it would be extra screen time or a cool activity like making art from like the sticks and rocks we found outside mm-hmm. or if we get to pick the board game or maybe it's extra uh, TV time or who gets to choose the dessert. These little things, I mean, they're not huge changes to your life, right? But they build in a little fun and fun anticipation for everyone, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking of the mom that doesn't feel super like creative, but what you're, the things you just listed off are not like overly creative, over laborious prep time things. Like these are simple things that, you know, as long as you have five board games to choose from, yeah. you could do a different one literally every day of the week and it seems novel, even if it's the same activity. Yeah. Right. And even, yeah, even something like um, who gets to pick the cartoon we're going to watch. Yeah. Like, you know, while I'm prepping dinner or, or something like that. And of course, there might be an argument over Paw Patrol versus Peppa Pig, but hey. Yeah. You could survive <laughs> for 22 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think one of the hardest things, especially, so you have currently a 13 year old and a four year old. Mm-hmm. And I think what can be very tricky is the difference in interests and schedule even between an older child and a younger child. And my oldest is turning 12 soon and my youngest is an infant. 
And so, yeah, we have a span and there are nap schedules again. And that is tricky because we used to just be able to be like, oh, at three o'clock we can, you know, head out, no problem. But now it's like, oh, that's literally in the middle of our afternoon nap time. So how do you kind of juggle both the fun time and the schedule aspect when you have different age kids in different seasons? Yeah. One of the things I always tell parents is that um, you may be a different parent to every child you have, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if they're different age groups. I feel like my two children are completely two different generations at four and 13. And um, so what I do is I kind of divide and conquer. I know the older one likes certain things, but he also likes to stay very connected to his friends. So I let him go online and play with his friends and he has some independence there. But for my younger one, sometimes to make sure that he stays connected to this outside world because no, he's just learning friendships and learning how to be a good friend and a playmate and that kind of thing. But I want, I didn't want that to, you know, fall by the wayside when we're stuck at home and it's just, you know, the four of us at home. So what I do is I have virtual playdates for him. Mm. Um, we use something called Messenger Kids, and you can he can send cute videos or have um, read stories with his grandparents over it, and he stays connected and feels as though um, other people love him and the world is still out there. And that's one way. So I'm catering to two different kids, both, you know, with um, devices in a way, but they're both getting something out of it and they both feel kind of good. And you have to really consider that. We have to consider what your kids like to do, what their kids, how old they are, what they're interested in and what they're capable of. And I will say that Messenger has been a great way for my kids to communicate with me when I'm out of the home. Like obviously my little kids don't have phones or anything, but they want to get a hold of me if I'm out at the store and they remember, oh, mom, will you pick up the cereal or whatever? And so they can yeah. call me via Messenger, which is just an app connected to Facebook. And yeah. it's fantastic. And the bonus is, yeah, you can approve the contacts that they want to contact. And so it, it's not just a free for all of, you know, being wild on online, but right. you know, if you approve certain friends that they can communicate with, that has been a fantastic way for them to feel connected and social, even when they couldn't be so in person. Yeah. I think for parents of little kids, messenger kids is one of the best ways to kind of introduce social media to them in a very controlled environment where you have a lot of you have a lot of oversight and you know exactly who they're talking to. You can see everything that they're doing. So there's also a comfort level from a parent's perspective too, which is what you need. We need right now. We need everything that's going to make us feel a little bit more calm, a little bit better about what we're doing with our kids. Hey everyone. I wanted to thank a show sponsor that makes this podcast free and possible. And that is honey love. I've talked about honey love before, but I don't know about you, but there are just certain fashions and trends and dresses that I want to wear, but I'm 10 months postpartum. And let's be honest, not everything fits the same way, right? And depending upon the phase of your life, bodies change and you want to feel great in your clothes. And that's why Honey Love is so great because it's shapewear you actually want to wear. It's designed for comfort and looks, and it's as beautiful as your favorite lingerie with unparalleled construction. This is not your grandma's girdle. It's not uncomfortable. It's super soft and flexible boning means that shapewear never rolls down, which is a big problem with some other shapewear companies. And you guys, the thing I love about Honey Love is they have something for every shape and size, whether you want just coverage on your bottom half or you want it all the way up, they have something for everybody. And I love the flexibility of their products. I think it's so fantastic. See for yourself at honeylove.com and get 20% off a second item. Plus, when you use code EEP, you'll get an additional 10% off your entire order. Get 20% off your second item plus 
An additional 10% off at honeylove.com with code EEP. Honeylove.com, code EEP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Thanks, Honey Love, for sponsoring the show. Going off the staying connected kind of thread, mm-hmm. there's a lot of parenting conversations that we have that we know are coming, that we can kind of prep for, that we can think through how we want to communicate this to our children, at what age, and we get to kind of choose that. With the pandemic, with other world issues that come up, with a lot of just the scariness, quite frankly, yeah. and the uncertainty that exists right now. And you're a black woman and you are facing things that I am not currently facing and conversations you're having probably in your home that yeah. I'm not forced to have. But hopefully I'm having more of those conversations too because I am aw- I'm becoming more aware and more educated so bit by bit. I'm not, I'm not great at it, but I'm working on it. Tell me how you're having these conversations that you both a prepare for ahead of time. How do you kind mm-hmm. of deal with that? And then also, how do you deal with the unprecedented and those spontaneous things that come up where it's like, wow, this is more than I want to share with my kids or would ever choose to, but we need to have these conversations. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you brought this up because I write a, a lot about this. Um, you know, I, even I, when I had my first son, I didn't have this plan of when I was going to talk to him about racism or police violence or things that he may face, right? Uh, He was very young, and he was at a a camp outing, and a grown-up walked up to him, called him a slur, and pushed him. And he was nine, very tiny, scrawny nine-year-old, and Mm. I couldn't believe that this would happen to such a small child. And in my mind, I wasn't ready to have that conversation with him. But what I realized is sometimes we're not ready, but the world's going to force us to be ready and force us to have these conversations. So from that point on, we started talking about why something like this happens in very age-appropriate words, very age-appropriate conversation, because he was nine at the time. And then as he got older, we become more open and more, um, we talk about things as they happen in the news because he is very aware of the news. So it doesn't do our children any good to hide it from them, right? Mm -hmm. They shouldn't grow up thinking these things don't happen. They should know. And what I would love for parents of like non um, children of color uh, to talk about, tell their children what's going on so that they can be allies and advocates for their friends when they see something bad happen to them Mm -hmm. or show their friends support when something happens in the world that scares a child of color Mm -hmm. or makes them worry. Uh, You know, I have a a kid who I don't, I don't want him to wear hoodies. You know, because yeah. it scares me that he could have a hoodie on and someone thinks he's dangerous because he has a hoodie on. And we talk about that. And he rolls his eyes and he's like, come on, mom. And I'm like, no, it's serious. I'm really worried about this. And I talk to my um, mom friends and other parent friends who are not of color about these fears and concerns. So it really is about being open with our fears and how we feel and sharing it with our wider parent community so that everyone kind of understands what you're going through. Right. Absolutely. And just because it doesn't actively impact your family, being aware of all of these things, you're right. Like my kids have a role to play, like what you're saying. And I think that is really powerful. And I think we're starting those conversations and we're, we're moving, you know, in the right direction. Yeah. And um, I just think it's really powerful to have voices like yours and these conversations that you are providing a platform for and information about like, thank you. Thank you for doing that for us who are, who are really desperate and wanting, wanting that very, very much. Well, the important part is people are interested in finding out how they can make things better. And, um, by talking and teaching your kids, I mean, that's like the biggest and best step. 
so that, you know, they'll grow up and being aware and knowing what's right and wrong and, and really feeling as though um, they should help or, or be a part of the solution. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Your next tip is getting outside. And yeah. I was just talking to another friend about this, Miranda Anderson, who's going to be on a different episode. And she was talking about how, you know, they're travelers. Like they love traveling and going. And when that was taken away from them, they're like, mm-hmm. what do we do? Like that's like part of their family identity almost is that adventure yeah. spirit. But when they realize that almost in their own backyard or not very far away, hikes and just even simply being physically outside your home, breathing in fresh air, even if you're not going far, that is huge. Tell me what you're talking about and why getting outside is so important. Well, it's, you know, when the pandemic happened, a lot of people just kind of shut in, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're in a a city like New York, um, it's it's kind of easy to just stay in your apartment and not go outside. But you also don't have, a, like, we don't have a backyard or terrace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're just in this little box all day long. And that's not healthy for anyone. You know, getting outside is as good for your body as it is your mind, right? And we have to remember that. Fresh air and movement. And, of course, you're like, well, what do I do? Where do I go? Or anything like that. You know, something I did that was incredibly simple was I did, like, a nature scavenger hunt with my kids. We made a list of things, like something simple. It's like find a red car find a squirrel, find someone in a hat or whatever it was. And then, you know, they, even my, he was a preteen at the time would even play along and we would find the things and that gave them like a prize in the end. But the idea is to just get outside and do something. It could be going to the basketball hoop. It could be like kicking around the soccer ball in the backyard, um, go sledding in the winter time or take, just simply take walks. But this is really good. It's also a good time to connect and talk to your kids. Like I'd spend that time asking them what was going on with them, what's happening in the online class, what's just happening, um, you know, what they like, what they love, what they want to eat for dinner. It's just a really good time to have a positive moment with your kids in the midst of something that's very scary. Mm-hmm. I think walking and driving and cooking are like the best ways and times to talk to your kids because you're not making direct yeah. eye contact with them. So they're not feeling quite as interrogated, especially if you're <laughs> wanting you know, more information about something or they're going to talk about something kind of uncomfortable or you just want them to feel like not as pressured, right? To speak when you're not just like laser focused on them. They tend to be a little more loose lipped and chatty and it can kind of evolve. Right. And if you're away from the home, away from devices, there's not other distractions. That is a fantastic time to just say, how are you? What's going on? What's been on your mind lately? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And you're, and you're right. Like I drive um, my older son to school and I pick him up every day. And it is, it's the time where we talk about things and, and, you know, it's got to the point he'll be like, Hey mom, let's get in the car because I got something to tell you. And it's, it's kind of great. Oh, I because love that. I'm not grilling you. Right. I'm not yeah. grilling him. I'm just like, Hey, what's going on today? Or did you see so-and-so today? Um, it started when I was really young. And this is, I think a great tip for parents of younger kids. When he was really young, I'd ask him not how was your day? But I was like, oh, did someone do something nice for you today? Or did you do something nice for someone else? Or did something happen today that was really weird or that surprised you? Mm -hmm. So I tried to get him talking with like questions that weren't like typical. Mm -hmm. And then that has built us a rapport that I really appreciate now that he's a teen and he could literally just like shut me up, shut me off. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love what you're saying about the car ride kind of being a trigger, a positive trigger for this is the time to talk. And without our kids even knowing, we're conditioning them to knowing 
okay, when we hop in the car, like mom expects me to like be engaged with her versus like tuning out and being in my own little world. And we have a really cool deck of like kind of cards called table topics that's always on our dining room table. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a fixture in the center of the table. And my kids know, like we, we really try to eat dinner together as a family and almost immediately as we all sit down the table topic you know lid is taken off and a card is pulled and we're talking about if you could switch lives with anybody who would it be or if you could be an amazing at any sport what sport would you want to be at? and it's just they're just fun but sometimes you get yeah. really interesting um revealing comments from your kids about what's going on in their lives what they think what they enjoy what they want to try and Again, like you're saying, it's not always about talking about the same thing every day. How's your day? Fine. What'd you do? Yeah. Nothing. What'd you learn? Yeah. Nothing. How's math? Hard. Like, if, if it's predictable, they're going to get in that rut. But just like table topics at dinner is kind of a trigger for conversation for my family. I love yeah. that getting in the car with your son is is his. That's wonderful. Yeah. that's and, that, and that's great. I mean, I love to hear that because so many parents struggle with how to make a connection to their kid. And the problem is that so often we're barking orders at them or correcting something that they're doing. We have to remember to have these down moments where there's no tension and no pressure. And that really, that really helps your relationship with them. Yeah. So I love the number five on your list is get artsy because art hub for kids, step-by-step drawing lessons, I'm shocked what a legit artist my six-year-old is now, Erica. <laughs> like, the things he was able to create, and we got some drawing books for Christmas, and the, the, the amount of detail between steps one, two, and three is too much for a little non-artist brain. But the, the resources that are available for art, and it doesn't just have to yeah. be drawing, but any type of, of creation. Tell me what you've been doing. So we had um, times where we'd, we'd have like coloring, you know, or, we'd, or painting. Mm-hmm. And let's, like, let's make something for the grandmas yeah. or let's make something for the aunties. Um, you know, whether it's like Play-Doh hearts or we would literally go outside and pick up like leaves and rocks and stuff and glue them to paper. Yeah. And then that would be the art project for the day. Art, even for older kids, like if you can get them to the table and get them involved, it can be really fun and it keeps them engaged and busy for a while. And you also, also creativity is so important. I think that we're so focused on academics, which is obviously supremely important, but we also need to like embrace their little creative minds. It really is important. And just having an art project three days a week, two days a week, on the weekend. Um, it keeps them busy, keeps their hands occupied, they have fun, and you're doing something good for them. Yeah. Okay, so I am wondering, I would imagine if you live in New York City, space is kind of limited for you. I mean, you have a beautiful backdrop right now. I don't know if that's like a digital, like, green screen behind <laughs> no, this you. this is my bookcase. Okay, page. well, you have, you have quite the beautiful styled bookcase behind you, so I'll just let that know for the listener. But... I'm sure space is limited. And so sometimes we feel really stressed either by messes or by keeping a lot of supplies on hand. Do you have any tips for those types of things? Well, everyone has to cut themselves some slack right now, okay. right? I honestly, I if, if you don't get to your dishes right away, fine. If your laundry piles up for a little bit, fine. Because we're not just dealing with like the mechanics of the day. We're also feeling this pressure and this burnout and this fear parents are Mm. right Mm -hmm. so I I 
and in this state of where we are right now, I always worry about telling parents, oh, make sure you do this to stay neat and orderly. Of course, you know, for some people, a mess drives them crazy and makes things worse for them. You know, we have a lot of rolling bins in our apartment mm-hmm. where the toys go. And we have, like, lots of, like, bins that go into closets that are labeled, mm. right? Like cleaners or markers, batteries, that kind of thing. That helps our house function. But I also, you know, will, like, you know, if I am too zonked and too tired to do the laundry and I just want to relax, I'm going to let it sit. Mm. You know, everyone has clothes to, <laughs> to wear. I don't I, I don't feel like we should be putting the same pressures on ourselves when we're dealing with things that we may not even realize we're dealing with. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sadness and um, depression and anxiety surrounding what's going on in the world right now. And even if you don't realize it, you're, you're probably feeling it somewhere inside. Yeah. So give your, cut yourself a little slack. Um, yes, you know, clean up when you need to clean up. But but listen, if you need to sit down and listen to a podcast or like me watch The Real Housewives for an hour, mm-hmm. do it. Because uh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> what, fran- what franchise of Real Housewives do you watch? Oh, I love New York and Atlanta. Those yeah. are my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I think OC is is back. Or yeah, OC is back. Like with Heather Dubrow oh. coming back. I feel good oh, about this. Yeah. I mean, they're all, I mean, they're all fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know my husband's always like, oh, I can't believe that's one of your favorite shows. It's like, it's my, it's, it's not even a guilty pleasure. I have no guilt. It no. is a, just a pleasure. No, exactly. Exactly. I'm a fan as well. Hey everybody. I wanted to thank our final show sponsor today. And that is Magic Spoon. I love cereal. I love cereal for breakfast, but I especially love it right before I go to bed as like a treat dessert, but I don't love having a bunch of sugar before bed, and I don't love feeding my kids junk cereals, and you'd be so surprised what is in cereals. There's a certain mainstream cereal that has red food dye, and that aggravates my son's ADHD type symptoms and it's not a red cereal, so you would never even know. So there's things hidden in our cereals that are not good. That's why I choose Magic Spoon every day of the week. Magic Spoon cereal is so great because it has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. And for a serving, it's only 140 calories. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb, which fits so many different dietary restrictions these days. And the cool thing is they have this variety pack. So because you're ordering it online and you have never had it before, get the variety pack. And there's four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And if I can give you a little pro tip, mix the chocolate and the peanut butter. And boy, will you get a peanut butter Reese's experiment that will blow you away. It is so fantastic. If you go to magicspoon.com EMP to go grab a variety pack and try it today, and be sure to use our promo code EMP at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident that you will love their cereal. Magic Spoon is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee, so you can refund your money if you don't love it 100%. Remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com EMP and use the code EMP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring the episode. Now let's finish up with Erica. And I love the idea of like rotating what's out, right? So if you have a, a way to like contain categories then you're able to pull out stuff and if it's a mess while you know they're engaging in that great but it's also a good opportunity to hold your kids accountable before before we bring out the next bin or rotate things yes this goes back 
right? And yes. So and having a one. place for everything, like everyone knows where things are supposed to be. The Legos yeah. go here, the blocks go here, the markers are all here, and that helps them aid with cleanup, right? Yeah. There's no like, well, I don't know where it goes, well, I don't know where to put it. No, you know where it is because right. <laughs> that's where it always goes, and there's a little sign there that's the Legos. Yeah. So um, that kind of helps you, right? Because, you know, moms need help, right? Mm-hmm. Put your kids to work. It's yeah. not just you that has to do all this stuff in the house. They play with their toys. They should put them away. They can help set the table. They can help put dishes in the dishwasher. They can help you carry clothes to the laundry, you know, um, or, or pull out their laundry bin from their room that they have it in their room. Like there, we have to start outsourcing even within our own family. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like so often we just take everything on and we don't have to, especially in times like this. We also want to teach our kids responsibility. They mm-hmm. should start learning that they need to help and that it's like a family unit and everyone contributes. Whether there's four or two, mm-hmm. everyone can contribute. Yes, that is a fantastic point. And realizing that when we ask our kids to help and they do help, maybe not feeling the need to go back and correct them, right? So this kind of leads into the next <laughs> thing too. Like building yeah. their confidence in the ability to contribute, even if it's not fully up to your standards. I mean, you have a four-year-old. Your four-year-old's only capable of so much. So A, it's assigning them the correct types of tasks that they can be successful Mm -hmm. at, but then also training them up and realizing nobody's good at anything the first time they do it. I'm not good at something the first time I do it, even as an adult. So giving uh, some, you know, leeway and some grace and coming alongside your kids to help train them up in the right way, but realizing also, it's not going to be perfect. And, and before we right. move on from the, the other thing, I just thought if there's a system or an issue that's constantly out of whack, revisit it. Like if, if something's always not being put back, don't just say like my kids are lazy or my kids are ridiculous oh, no, or no, no, I'm, no. They, they're trying to ruin my life. It's like, well, what's not working? Is it too high? Right. Like can, yeah. can my four-year-old not lift that up? And so it's physically impossible. Um, you know, is, is the size of the bin the wrong thing or do we have too much of something, right? So it's revisiting yeah. the systems that are consistently not working for you. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I think it's also important to remember that there is such a thing as having too many toys. Yeah, yeah, right. There is, you know, what, what, you know, one of the things I do is that, you know, before Christmas time, we celebrate Christmas. And so I'm just like, we have to give old toys away, like toys that are still nice, but we don't use. Like everyone has to do it. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, you know, and it's sometimes it feels a little painful for the little one. I'm like, well, you don't play with this anymore. And if you want Santa to bring you new toys, you have to give some away to kids who doesn't have any. And then, you know, he'll pick a few and then I'll go in and take a few more out. And sometimes he doesn't even realize they're gone. Yeah. But the idea is that, you know, kids, when they have too much stuff, it's hard for them to focus. Yeah. Right. And you really want them to focus. And so play with something, put it away. But if they have like a gazillion things, it's really hard for them to focus and feel like, you know, they can play with something and then move on to the next thing after they put the first thing away. But I love that you talked about, you know, teaching our kids the right way and not criticizing them because my, my last tip for kind of surviving this at home life with our children is to boost their confidence. And, you know, we immediately tell our kids when they do something wrong, like that's just like the knee jerk parent reaction, but we, I'll have to forget to praise them when they're doing something right. So my kids fight like Tom and Jerry. They like <laughs> are like, 
they look moral enemies sometimes. <laughs> but when my older one is really nice and nurturing to his little brother, I make sure to compliment him and say, that's so sweet. What a great big brother you are. Um, because most of the time, I'm like, stop hitting each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, you're right. When I do something wrong, don't, like, bark at them. I know my older one, I was so proud one day when I looked and he was putting the dishes away in the dishwasher from the dishwasher. And I was like, this is amazing. I didn't even ask him. And then, of course, when I went into the kitchen later, I was looking at the dishes and he had, he didn't check to see if the dishes were clean. He just thought they were done and he put dirty dishes. Oh, we've all been there. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, ugh. But then I just thought, okay, well, let me just help. The next time we're in the kitchen, I'll be like, hey, you know what? Let's make sure you have to make sure that the dishes are clean because sometimes you make a mistake and put dirty dishes up there and ugh, gross. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh man, I'm sorry, you know. So there, but I'm like, thank you so much. That was so great of you for yeah. helping out with the dishes. So we want to boost their confidence um, because you know we all respond better with um, positive reinforcement. Right. We all, it always makes us feel better and makes us more inclined to keep trying to help and do something as opposed to when we try something and then we're kind of yelled at for it being like a terrible job. Yeah, absolutely. And that's hard. It's hard sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. when you want it done well and you just feel like, oh, that's not it. Or, oh, the dirty dishes are in the clean. Thank you. Right. And it's hard. But ultimately, if you want them to do it again, you have to choose that higher road. You just have to, even yeah. if it's, you know, through a little, oh, thanks, uh, you know. Yeah. And and ultimately, his heart was in the right place. What is your kid's intent? It's not to ruin your life. It is to just, right. they're doing the best they can with what they know. I really, really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These are such great tips. And I mean, some of these obviously are like very common sense. But, like, I feel like when we're under the weight of some seasons mm-hmm. of life, we forget the basics. We forget we how simple life can be. So these things are not necessarily easy to do or to implement or to be consistent with, but they're simple. The yeah. simple things truly are the best things. And when we can see, you know, what works for my family, what are the ages of my kids, what are we struggling with? And you don't have to address all of these things all at one time. But if, again, like, what's not working for you? If it's not working for you, why not try something new? And if if people say, like, oh, I've already done that or I've already tried that. Okay, well, if what's working for you now isn't working, try something else. And what's the worst that could happen? It doesn't work either. So you didn't lose anything. Right. Right. No one should be wedded to the way things were before, right? Everyone, Everyone has to adjust and evolve. In everything we do, actually. Like, you don't parent a three-year-old the same way you parent him when he's nine, right? Right. So what they need and how they need it is so different. And so what they needed before the pandemic and how they need to function during is also very different. So we have to kind of adjust and and go with that flow and try different things. There is no prize for getting it right all the time. Well, maybe there's bragging rights, I guess, (laughs) if you get it right all the time, right? But, you know... Try different things. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't. Take what works and move forward and add something new to that. Yeah. You know, this is a constant process. We're constantly learning how to parent and to be good parents and to do what's right for ourselves and our kids. Cut yourself some slack. You are, if you're present and you're trying, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Oh, I love this. You are so delightful and just so wise and full of great information. And I love that so much of what you know 
about parenting is from talking to other mothers. It's not just from yeah. your own personal experience, which is great. We all have mother's intuition. You know what's best for your family innately. I know that we all do. And there's so much we can learn from others and incorporate such goodness when we talk and when we're curious about how, what's working for other people or what other people are struggling with as well. So where can people find you online and where can people pick up your book? Well, you can pick up my book wherever books are sold, How to Have a Kid in a Life with Survival Guide, Amazon, Bookshop, Target, um, Barnes & Noble. You can also um, read my writing on my website. It's ericasuter.com. But I also write for The Bum, Parents, Cafe Mom, Mom.com, Good Morning America. Um, and you can also check me out on my Instagram, where I always update the new things that I'm doing. It's at Erica Suter, E-R-I-C-K-A-S-O-U-T-E-R. You know, I talk about all things parents, parenting, and family. It's just such a great topic. It's constantly involving. And we're really interesting people. Parents are really yeah. cool and fun and interesting. You know, we have great stories to tell, great lessons to learn from each other. So, yeah. Well, and you just build your skill set so much as a parent. And you just you know, develop so many new skills and talents along the way. And it's like, wow, if you were to really itemize your resume according to what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and the skills you have as a parent, you are, you, nobody could pay you enough, basically. Oh, no. Nobody could pay you enough. Erica, this has been so wonderful. I always ask my guests one final question, and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Wow, what would I tell my pre-motherhood self? I would tell myself, sit down with your husband and ask each other this, what will parenthood look like? And see if how if, if your answers jive. What does hmm. being a parent look like? What is the day, the week, the month, the year? Who stays home when, when a child is sick? Who has to cut back at work if there's a need? How often do the grandparents come to visit? Yeah. What is your discipline? Just have a conversation with your partner or whoever you're parenting with and to see where you align and where you're different. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's going to be overlap. And for all the areas that there's different, A, you're not caught off guard in the moment, right? Because right. there's nothing right. worse than being caught off guard and being like, oh, we're not on the same page. And then you're like battling it out in like emergency time. And, right. But you can make a plan and try and see something from the other person's perspective and I'm sure that you know you can come to an understanding when when there's love and commitment to you know what what's going to work best for our family what do we want it to look like that's so exactly good. right I mean oh well the, the other thing I would have told myself is appreciate the abs you have now oh yeah girl <laughs> I have four boys and right. where are they I know they're there I, I lift this 15 pound baby I just got back from Las Vegas um for a soccer tournament and I had my 15 pound baby on my hip the entire time I forgot well I couldn't fit a stroller in my car so I just carried him everywhere 15 pounds oh, yeah. all oh, day long gosh. did not nap holy moly and this morning I woke up I'm just like I feel so old I wouldn't have it any other way thank you Erica thank you for sharing and I hope everyone will check you out online and in your book thank you so much so whether you're looking for routines for spring break coming up, whether it's summer you're prepping for, or whether your kids are still home from school, whether by your choice or by the state's choice, dun da da, -da. <laughs> what a world we live in. <laughs> I'm in California, so I get it, guys. It is so wonderful to have some structure to your days and to know which 
types of routines and habits to prioritize to help your kids be successful. I love Erica's tips and tricks, and I'll link everything and everywhere you can find her at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDahlquist3, and I am so excited for next week's episode. I'm going to come on talking about the meal planning tips that are working for me, that save me time, keep me sane, keep me eating at home, and not driving through a fast food restaurant. I'm going to dish all the things that are working next week. So we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.